Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. David coming at you. I'm with Dr. Nicholas Jensen. What's up, my man? It's another day in paradise, buddy. Doing well. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to, to speak to our guests today. Today's going to be a lot of fun because we're going to get into a lot of mindset stuff, which you and I love to, to get deep into. And I've read this guy's book. It was incredible. We're going to get into that today as well. But today's guest is uh, Dr. Suvrat Bhargave. And he's an MD. He's a renowned and respected educator, speaker, and board-certified psychiatrist. And he's specializing in child and adolescent psychiatry. Uh, He's a very passionate uh, advocate for healing and empowerment. And um, this is a a world changer for sure. And, buddy, thank you for coming on our podcast. I'm really excited. Guys, thank you for having me on. I am am thrilled. I really am. And when you say you are... You love getting into this stuff. I, I tell you, this this is my life. So I, I love talking about this. And the chance to talk about it with you guys, I think it's going to be good. And, you know, it's, it's fun to – I want to talk about your book real quick just to start off, and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. But, you know, his, his book is called A Moment of Insight, and it's Universal Lessons Learned from a Psychiatrist's Couch. And, uh, you know, we were just talking right now before we started recording of how – you know, halfway through the book, it takes a fun turn. But I really want to kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, man, and and kind of start with, uh, you know, your practice and, and the kind of stuff you're doing right now. And then I'd, I'd really like to just dig into the book and talk about uh, some of these fun topics. Great. Perfect. So yeah, I'm a psychiatrist. Uh, I'm a psychiatrist who is in private practice in a suburb here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I see a lot of families. I mean, we see full families. I see kids and teens and, and adults. Um, and when I say we treat full families, it was my intention to become a family psychiatrist. So just like there are family physicians uh, who get to understand a family and the dynamics of a family, I felt like you know we need to be having uh, the same sort of comfort level with having a family psychiatrist. Um, so part of the mission that I have is I want to have more everyday discussions about emotional wellness and emotional well-being. And you can't do that if you can't even say the word psychiatrist. So the tagline of uh, universal lessons learned from a psychiatrist's couch, is kind of my way of poking a little bit of fun at, you know, being a shrink in, in quotes uh, and having a couch in the office, which by the way, I do because you got you to gotta just put that out there right in the beginning, right? People walk in, they need to see a couch. There's a couch there. Uh, but, but, you know, I want to be able to say, look, we, we've got we've to start with chipping away at the stigma right up front by talking about the um, things that matter the most and, and why is our emotional well-being not at the top of that list. So, so that's the, the work that I do. And, and in getting to do this now for 20 plus years, um, I will tell you, I consider it a privilege. It's a privilege to sit with people um, in, in some of their most difficult and challenging times and be allowed in, in a way that is um, vulnerable. I know on their end it's vulnerable, but I always say it's the courage to be vulnerable. And, and what I found was that in having these really deep discussions, session after session after session, 
um, people would come into the session thinking they were the only ones that were going to talk about these things or somehow feeling um, shameful about having to even come in and see a psychiatrist. And it turns out everything that we all struggle with is really the same stuff. And, and so the book is my way of trying to say to anyone who has ever struggled or felt uh, held back or felt like they weren't leading a purposeful life to say you're not alone. Um, and by the way, the path to doing that, to leading a purposeful life and getting through adversity, you're also not alone. There, there's a shared way to do that. So, so the book is my way of kind of passing on the wisdom of thousands of people. Well, and it was, buddy, it was written so well. I mean, from, from just, you know, telling the stories about some of the patients you have and then turning it over to some of your life uh, stories that you have, mm -hmm. uh, totally could see it from your perspective. It was great, man. Well, um, can I just say that's, that's a huge compliment to me because it was my intention that if you know me and you read the book, that you would feel like I was sitting right next to you. Uh, and if you don't know me, then I hope that by the time you were even halfway through the book, that you felt like you, I was someone that you knew and that was just your neighbor who was going to sit down and talk to you about these things. So thank you. Huge, huge thank yous for that. So can you talk, can you speak a little bit about your upbringing? Uh, you talked about your grandfather in the book and how he would ask you questions. And I, yeah. I would like to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. So I had a really fantastic, I'm going to say a big advantage in my life. And that was, I grew up in a household where there were three generations under one roof. Um, and I say that was an advantage. I'm sure the adults had to dance around a little bit on how to make that work. Um, but from our standpoint, from the kids' standpoint, it was, it was really great because, you know, we, had, we always had someone around us. Um, and so I never had a babysitter in that sense. But more than that, I, I was able to hear and, and be on the receiving end of a lot of good wisdom. So um, having three generations and, and, you know, wisdom to me is a powerful word. People sometimes shy away from it and, and think you have to be a man with a long beard before you can have wisdom. But wisdom is just the knowledge that comes from living life. And we've all lived life and we've all learned something. So we all have wisdom. But there's not a lot of opportunity, I feel like, nowadays to really sit down and just share each other's wisdom. Um, so in having um, these generations under one roof, I, I would have these kitchen table discussions where people in my family would just talk about what they've learned. And through that, I had this great experience of being able to absorb it. And my grandfather in particular, who I talk about in the book, uh, David, as you pointed out, is someone who was a man who had lived a life and so certainly had wisdom, but he was a seeker. I mean, he was always sort of trying to learn more about life, really about life, the real reason we're here. And as a, as a young kid, he would try to get me to think about those things too. And what I talk about in the book is, you know, I, like most kids, were, was way more interested in reading my comic book than I was in talking about the meaning of life. But if it's being talked about around you, you do start to think about it without even perhaps realizing it. And you do pick up on things. And, uh, and that was a real advantage for me is hearing those things. And so, yeah, he would ask me all kinds of deep questions, including, you know, who are you? Um, and look, if you've never answered that question for yourself, um, start with that one. It's the biggest one you'll probably ever answer in your life, but it's the most important one too, right? Who am I? Um, and he would ask me these, this question, and I, in my kid way, would try to answer it and never quite had the answer right because I would answer it in terms of who I am as in terms of the role I was playing. So I would say I'm a student, and he would immediately turn around and say, oh, so when you graduate, who will you be? And then I would try to appeal to his ego and I'd say, well, I'm your grandson. And he would immediately turn around and say, well, when I'm not here, who will you be? 
And, and so what he, what he was attempting to do was having me figure out who I am that has nothing to do with the world around me. Um, and little did I know how important that would be to me later in life. Um, so, so yeah, that, I, I don't want to give it all away right there, but it is, it is a real advantage to have someone, you know, kind of make you think that deeply. And I was always already an anxious kid. Um, you know, now I know that I had anxiety as a child and I was already questioning, but maybe he directed my questioning into other things, not just doubting myself, but into other things. That's such a, I mean, such a simple question, but it's so massive, right? I mean, mm. and especially as a child, I can imagine like trying to be able to answer that. But I mean, it's something I think I find like as an adult, a lot of people start to understand that more. And mm -hmm. some people I think are just still lost and they, I don't think they've ever asked themselves that question. It's, it's a daunting question, right? I mean, and it's not one you're going to get an answer to right away. If I say, who are you? Um, most of us tend to, you know, when, when I introduce you to myself and we shake hands at a, at a get together, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Most of us start with all of these things that we do, right? I'm a psychiatrist, I'm a father, I'm a husband, uh, you know, and, and so forth and so on. Um, but all of that can change. All of that can change in an instant. And, and the thing about the world is it, you're guaranteed for it to go up and down. You're guaranteed to have good times and bad times. And if you don't have a way of understanding who you are that's more constant than that, then it's a roller coaster and it can be exhausting. And it's no wonder why people are feeling more overwhelmed and more discouraged than ever. It's also no um, surprise, unfortunately, that the rates of suicide, whether it's in kids or teens or in men, the numbers keep going up. And it's because we haven't found a way to navigate life with something to hold on to. And who I am has to be a constant that gets me through. And, and no matter today being a good day or a bad day, if I have a good sense of who I am, look, bring on life. Let's just do life. But, but you can't, if you can't answer that, then, then hold on. It's going to be tough. So it's really important to answer that question, who am I? And, and it's hard. It's the hardest question I, I believe that you'll ever answer. And it's why we're here. I think we're here to figure that out. Mm. I'm curious how, how that conversation goes with some of your um, children clients, the, the, the young kids, because uh, I imagine at some point this kind of dialogue comes out for them. So how do you navigate that for a youngster? And I'm sure you probably draw on some of your memories of being with your grandfather in that, but um, mm -hmm. both of us being fathers with, with young boys, uh, yourself yeah. being a father as well. Um, yeah, if you could sort of lay out a little bit of that dialogue, that'd be fantastic. Definitely. So, so let's, you know, pick a scenario, the, probably the one that I see the most when it comes to the young children that I see in my practice. Uh, and that is a child who's got anxiety. An anxious child is someone who's, you know, constantly kind of fight or flight, right? They're, they're constantly worried about something. The other word for anxiety is doubt or, or second guessing or, um, you know, kind of what ifing, if you will. And, and kids have a lot of doubt in their lives. And so most anxious kids uh, when it comes to having anxiety disorders, they're either worried about, you know, their own safety or what's going to happen uh, in life, or they're worried about their performance, right? Being good enough and, and all of that. Um, so as, as we start to deep dig into anxiety, one of the ways that I ask kids to think about anxiety is think of it as an alarm system in our bodies. We all have an alarm system. And if I'm about to cross the street, my alarm goes off and it tells me I should, whoa, 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 I should wait. I should look both ways before I, you know, keep walking. 
Uh, and thank goodness for that alarm because I could have kept walking, right? Could have been a big truck coming. Um, if I'm walking in the woods, taking a walk, and my alarm goes off and says, whoa, 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 wait, make sure you're in a safe place. Thank goodness for that alarm. But anxiety is when an alarm goes off and it makes you think something's about to happen and there really isn't anything about to happen. Um, and that's why I tell children, think of it as a false alarm. Um, but you are not your anxiety. You are not the thought that, that you're having right now that thinks it's not good enough. You are not that fear that in your head makes you scared that something could happen tonight to your parents uh, or that they, your dad may not come home tonight. Um, you are not your fear. And that's where we begin to kind of get into that question of who am I? If you're not what you're feeling, if you're not what you're thinking, then who are you? And as an anxious kid, I, I used to constantly think I wasn't good enough. Um, and I would look for measures, you know, to try to either prove to myself that, you know, thank goodness I got through that moment and maybe I was good enough for, for a second, but I was really worried I was never good enough. And when you realize that who you are is something deeper than what you do, then you can start to kind of get a, a, a first step towards answering that question. But most of us, and most of us as parents, we raise our kids, unfortunately, without even realizing it, to associate who they are with what they do. If I get a good grade, I'm a smart kid. If I don't get in trouble with my parents, then I've been a good son. Um, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so I, I, I challenge the children in my practice to instead try to think of who they are that, that it has nothing to do with any, anything they've done today and has nothing to do with any roles they are. But it often starts with you are at the very least not your anxiety. You are not your fear. Uh, and, and then we come up with other ways. There are strategies in the books that I talk about as well, but you got to start somewhere and, and that's a good place to start. You are not what, you're, what you think. You are not what you feel. Just because you feel sad doesn't mean you're a bad person. Um, so it starts in many, many different ways. It's a great question, Nick, but I would say, you know, that's one kind of example of where we begin. I love that. I mean, that's such a powerful discussion to have with a, a child and, you know, all, for all of us listening, who uh, maybe are children inside, we all have our little version of ourselves, of course. I mean, that's, that's why the work that you're doing is so important because these are conversations we all need to have with ourselves. And I talk a lot about with, you know, we talk a lot about reframing and understanding things in a different kind of way. But I mean, how, how many of us are walking around relating to uh, who we are as what we do? I mean, that's just, a, it's a paradigm that so many of us are stuck in. And if you, if you can deliver that and encourage that and nurture that, uh, as both a parent and for our children, I mean that's a that's a powerful gift for them, for sure. And and you know, what, and what your listeners don't know right now is you know my camera stopped working, so you can't see me. But just hearing you say that, I was jumping up and down hearing you say that. I, you know, we're, we are all a version of the children that we carry around inside of us. We are all ultimately trying to parent the the boy inside of each one of us as men, uh, and so. If you, if you can figure out how to reassure the child inside of you that he is good enough because who he is is not dependent on what he does, then you can turn around and teach your, your own children how to think about that. So what I am grateful for is, you know, in the book I talk about low points in my own life. Um, but on the other side of that, it made me figure out what is going to be my answer to that question. How do I answer who am I? And now I can get my own children who are, who are now young adults, but from the time that they were kids, to start thinking about that in another way. Um, and, and so answer it for yourself and then turn around and teach your child or at least begin to question your child and let them come up with their, their best answer. But answer it for yourself first. This is awesome. 
All right. So I, I, we got to move on, man, because I got a lot of stuff to ask you. Okay, let's go. Okay. So talked a little bit about the five gifts. And I, I love the story that you tell in the book about how you're, you're helping, I believe it was a few, uh, this woman or a young girl uh, basically kind of move through her own stuff. But can you, can you talk a little bit about the five gifts? Definitely. And it actually kind of goes back to giving a more specific answer to our discussion that we just had, Nick. Uh, you know, when it comes to understanding who am I, if, if who am I is not going to be based on what I do, then how, where do we begin? How do I begin to even say who am I that has nothing to do with what I do? So at a really low point in my own life that I do talk about in the book, um, I felt the emptiest I have ever felt. I felt the, the lowest I have ever felt in my life. I felt like I was letting everyone down, even though I can look back now and realize I wasn't. But the anxiety in me was causing me to think I wasn't good enough and had let everyone down. And, and in that really low moment, I remembered that my grandfather, when he finally answered the question for me of who am I, his answer, I'll, I'll let you read the exact words in the book, but his answer essentially said that there was a piece of something in me that was divine. Um, there was a part of me that was created and, and therefore completely divine. And I didn't have to work hard at it. It already was. It already is exactly perfect who I need to be. And so in that really low moment, I thought, you know, how, what did he mean? I don't even know what he meant when he said that. How can I find out what he was talking about? So I don't know where this idea came from, but it popped in my head that, that if, I, if, I, if, I, there, if there is something good about me, then there, there is a way for me to see that. Um, and I gave myself a task, and that was the five gifts. And I said to myself, in the next 10 days, by next Sunday, you have to come up with your five gifts. And five gifts are qualities or traits of you that good day, bad day, alone or surrounded by people, young or old, you have these five traits, period. You can't even deny it. These are five things about you that you just can't deny. And, and what I didn't know I was doing at the time was I was starting to give myself a foundation that wouldn't move. This was going to be constant. Um, this was a way that I could, even in the storm of life, I could hold on to this and know for sure that I am these five things. Uh, and so I tell people, if you've never done that exercise, please do. And it's not as easy as it might sound to some people. Um, but write down the qualities and the, and the traits about you that you just can't deny. So the one I share in the book, and, and I always tell people, it's not about my gifts being better than your gifts. We all have our own gifts. Uh, and it's not even about comparing the gifts. So I actually don't, when I ask people to start doing this exercise, I, one of the rules is don't ask someone, what do you think my gifts are? This is about you getting to know you. So you're not asking someone else for the gifts. So you, you know, inadvertently you start doubting or, or second guessing or maybe wondering if you do that, don't do that. You're gonna write your own gifts down. So the one that popped in my head first, the one I knew for sure and came in my head quickly, um, I knew I had empathy. I knew that no matter what, I could feel emotionally what other people were feeling. I could relate to the emotion of what other people experienced. I knew I had empathy. So I wrote that one down really quickly. And then um, the fifth gift I didn't think of until the 10th the day, and it was the hardest thing in the world to come up with, but I finally did. Um, and so once you have your list, you write down your list, and, and I encourage you to write it down. Don't just have it in your head. Write down your list. I actually carried my list around with me until I no longer had to look at it. And on a good day or bad, but especially on a bad day, charge yourself with using one of the gifts. And so on a really bad day, I'd say to myself, all right, you think you have empathy? And it wasn't a, a very loving way I would say this to myself when I used to talk to myself. You think you have empathy? Fine, go use it. And I would go out in my day and I would look for ways to use empathy. And sure enough, they were all over the place. And I, and I could use that gift all over the place. 
Well, now what I realized I was doing was, I was, first of all, I was giving myself a balance of looking at the world because I had up till then gone through life looking at only for the evidence of what I wasn't doing right, right? It was proving my fear that I wasn't good enough. So every time someone looked at me in a weird way or every time I messed up in what I was saying or every time that I, someone yelled at me, I thought, see, there's proof again, I'm not good enough. But the exercise of five gifts made me go through also looking for opportunity for the five gifts. So it gave me that. And then number two, sure enough, I couldn't deny that on a good day or a bad day, I always have empathy. So who I am really is constant. It isn't based on what I did that day. It really is constant. And now, even now, before I go to sleep at night, before I put my head on a pillow, um, I remind myself which of my gifts I use today. And I know I've lived a purposeful day. And it had nothing to do with um, a good day or a bad day. It had to do with that I use my gifts. And if I did, there you go. I, I, left, I led a purposeful day. So it's an amazing uh, exercise. And, and again, I give parameters for how to do it in the book. But please do it. It's, it changed my life. It literally changed my life. Oh, I could, massive, buddy. I could see how this could change hundreds of thousands of people's lives because so many people I don't think have ever asked themselves those questions or based who they are off that kind of foundation. Mm -hmm. and, and it's it's a huge question, like you're saying. I think, uh, and that'll be our home play for yeah, for our yeah. listeners today. Yeah, that's a big one. And and you know the flip side of that though is is this, David. Most of us, if you if you ask someone, you know, what are the traits you need to work on? What are the things about you that you wish you could change? People can start rattling off things, right? I mean, people know what they don't do well. Yeah. But we don't know our gifts. Look, you're walking around the world top heavy. Uh, if you only know what you don't do right, uh, and it's a burden to carry that around, ask yourself what you do well and notice that too. So yeah, that's, that's a good, good homework tip. This, this teaching is so powerful. And I mean, we could spend a whole podcast just on this one dialogue. Um, and I really hope that people that are listening really take it an effort to do this and I can do the same mm -hmm. when we're, when we're not feeling well and the whole world feels like it's crashing in on around us, it is so common to move into where we're not. And, and just like you said, find validation for where we're screwing up, why we're not good enough, etc. And to be able to develop these constants, just like you did, I mean, you're a shining example of someone in the depths of anxiety and stress and, and feeling less than, and you actually apply these tools uh, and you, you felt the difference. I mean, this is, this is real life information coming from a psychiatrist, a tool that can be utilized immediately. And when we start shining our light on these traits that, that we can actually own for ourselves and, and start to create a constant, I mean, that's, that's such a beautiful teaching that, that you're sharing right now. Um, what you. about people who like, for whatever, like when people get stuck, because I know that people are going to look at this and go like, there's nothing, you know, I can't, I can only find two or whatever. Like you said, what was the breakthrough for you that allowed you to open up to that on that 10th day for that last gift? Like what are some tools to help people sink into this feeling? So one of the things that I also say in the book um, is, you know, this task is meant to be a way for you to discover who you are. Um, and, and, and I don't want you to fail at this task. And really you can't fail at this task. No matter how much you've messed up your life, no matter what has been done to you, I swear to you, you have traits you can't deny. So if you think five is too many, look, start somewhere, do three, do three gifts. If you think 10 days is not long enough, give yourself two weeks. But here's the thing, give yourself a deadline. 
we tend to think we're going to do something. And if we don't give ourselves a deadline, you know, we don't follow through with it. And, and for those of us who've had anxiety, we'll tell you, we're, we are rule followers, even if it's our own rules. So if it's my rule that you got 10 days, I'm going to stick to that rule, hopefully, and do it. Um, but, but whatever feels uh, like a place to start, start somewhere. And if you're stuck, um, think about that activity or that time in your life, perhaps even recently, where you've really felt like you were in your zone. Right, we've all had that time where it was like, yes, I am, I am in my groove right now. This is good. I'm in my zone right now. When you're in your zone, I promise you, you're utilizing at least one of your gifts. Whatever that role is that's utilizing uh, that gift, when you are in your zone, there's something you're using that is inherent to you, and it can't be denied. So, if you had an outstanding moment with your child, where sure enough, things that came out your mouth really was exactly how you would have wanted to guide your child. Figure out what it was in terms of your tool, that your trait that came out in that moment. Um, if you were playing a sport and there's something about that sport that really kind of makes you feel like the world is good in this, in this 10 minutes, find out what that is because there's a trait you're using, I guarantee you. And, and when you really feel like you're in your zone, you're using more than one trait. So if you're really stuck, ask yourself that. And, and, and I've had people who, you know, when they try to do this exercise, they'll write down what ends up being, again, a role. So they'll say, well, I'm a really good parent. And I'll say, well, listen, you're, you're a really good parent because you use your traits. What traits help you to be a good parent? And then that's where we start digging a little bit deeper. So, so don't, let, don't get stuck on a, on a role. Because again, remember, roles can change. Uh, hopefully your kids will grow up and you won't have to be the same kind of parent you are to them right now. Um, but your, your traits will always be there. And so if you have empathy as a parent, look, I have empathy as a psychiatrist. I have empathy as a friend. I have empathy when I'm alone by myself. I have empathy. Um, I can't deny it. It's who I am. You know, you know, me and Nick talk about this whole flow state all the time and how you get into that and like when things are good and I've never heard anybody speak to it that way of, of your, when you're, when you're in that flow, you're using your gifts, mm -hmm. but like you're saying, I mean, we dial this all the way back. If you don't know what those are and you haven't understood that about yourself, how can you recognize those? And I see that just as, it's honestly like another level of consciousness, right? It's this mm -hmm. conscious awareness of like, and and this is for our listeners and you'd probably agree with me doc this is a process right like this has to be taken in steps and you have to create understanding in your head and about yeah. about all these things and make your way through it uh and you know i had i would probably say the last three or four years of my life i've leveled up in, in many ways and had growth in in different aspects that pertain to the, kind of what we're speaking to um but it was a process, you know, like it can't happen overnight. And, you know, we're talking about big mindset stuff, massive changes once you come to these understandings. That's exactly right. And, and you know, we have to, if you're going to have change happen in your life, you know, that, that word transformation, that sounds so daunting, but isn't it an awesome idea? I want to transform my life. Well, listen, no one walks into transformation. You start with a place and you make a change. And then you practice that change and you make the next change. And then you practice that change and you make the next change. You're going against 20, 30, 40, depending on how old you are, 50 years of a way of being. That's not going to change in a week or two weeks. So it, my attempt, at least, my intention for the book is to give people kind of a step-by-step -step manual. Like you got to first start with who am I? 
do the five gifts. And then there's a couple of other exercises in that. And then my next step is now let's go back to that story that you've been telling yourself your whole life. Um, Because we all have a story we've been telling ourselves over and over and over again. And let's start to question if that story, is it legit? I mean, is it, is it serving you well? And is it legit? And if not, then, hey, while you're figuring out who you are, let's also start somewhere and start to chip away at that story. And then that's the next step. And then, so, so by the end, uh, I hope, of, of reading the book, you've got some things you're working on, and the rest of it is practice. The rest of it is over time, doing it over and over and over again. Because whatever you've been telling yourself or, whatever you, or whoever you think you are, you have formed that idea over years. And so it's going to take a while to chip away at it and change it. But that's okay. If I, and it's never too late. If I chip away at that story, or if I can define who I am better today than I could for the last 40 years of my life, hey, it's better. It's all better. And the goal is to get better. Uh, and you can. Nick, did you want to say something? Uh, no, I mean, I mean that's uh, understanding what the process is, is hugely effective. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking like, well, this is a shrink that I want to go see. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you started this whole conversation with humor and just sort of lightening the, uh, the experience, you know, and I mean, you make it feel so safe and, and, um, uh, welcoming having conversations like this and I and I and I and again I, I can't help but think of the listener and think like wow like these are such essential life lessons that we all need to uh, experience and and this whole process can be safe it can be extremely illuminating it can completely change the trajectory of your life if you were just to spend some time with it and so um, yeah I'm just I'm, I'm loving everything you're saying so let's let's yeah, thank move you. on to the next question well, well, let me say this too about that. I, there's no point in being an expert if you're not relatable. Right. And, and, and there's no point in having wisdom if you can't share it, right? And again, we all have wisdom. So, um, so it, it's, it, it means being able to express it so that we can both be on the same page. And, and so if I'm, if I'm talking down to someone that I'm preaching, and this book is, I am not preaching. I am not preaching. But for me to be a part of this discussion and for me to be relatable, that's actually why I introduced my own story into the book. Um, it really wasn't my intention when I wrote, sat down to write the book. My intention was to honor the patients I'd seen and all the wisdom that they had imparted. Um, but I realized if I'm going to be a part of the conversation, I need to put myself in it. And so, you know, perhaps one of the things that we'll talk about is I, I did put my own struggles in here. And, and I put my own struggles in there to say we all struggle. Mm-hmm. We all struggle. And, and we've all gone through things. And, and we've all had doubts. And if that's the case, then, hey, can we just put judgment aside for a bit, um, just in this moment, just so we can talk real for a second. And look, then we'll go back to pretending like we've all got our stuff together. But for now, can we just for a moment be real? And, and that's what being a psychiatrist gave me, is at least in a session, people would be real. And by being real and vulnerable, amazing things were covered. Um, things that we don't talk about when we run into each other in, in the grocery store. And look, maybe we don't need to talk about the meaning of life in the cereal aisle, but at some point we should sit down and talk about these things. These are, these are, this is what matters. So yeah. So the, the reason to put my own story in the book was to say, yes, even I, and, and wink, wink, nudge, nudge, even I have gone through stuff. And so if I sound like I've got a lot more figured out in life, 
let me tell you, if I can do this, you can do this. Mm-hmm. And it's daunting, but it's all doable. There are steps that make it doable. Yeah. Well, I, I commend you, man, on the vulnerability you, you give in the book and the stories you tell about your life. I mean, that, that helps us connect with, as the reader with so much. I mean, I was telling you earlier how I could just – the connection in the book and when the, the words that are on the paper, it's solid. So, uh, you know, that, that was huge. And it does. The, re, the, re, the ability for the reader to relate is massive. Um, you, let's, I, I really have a question, but let me kind of ask you something before we move into that. Mm-hmm. So you talk about having these experiences. And, and again, I, me and Nick have talked about vulnerability and we've had a couple other podcasts of how important that is as a man and things like that. But you give these stories and then you talk about, basically how life happened and you say a quote you say life happens but not without purpose but you talk about how when when we cross paths with other and other individuals about having to be conscious of learning the the lesson that you you come out with out of that experience and uh something i would say is i don't think everybody thinks about their life that way that it's not like at the end of the day they're thinking well how do i learn from some of the things that happened today, but you talked about this cosmic cafe and you had this like epiphany. And so can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm smiling when you, anyone who asked me about the cosmic coffee house, I get really excited. Oh yeah. The cosmic coffee house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get excited for this reason. Um, you know, again, it's my, I'm trying in this book to talk about some big things, but in ways that seem really simple uh, because as it turns out, we really probably overcomplicate things, but there are some, Um, ideas that I think are worth thinking about in your day-to-day life that might change how you walk through your day. So even this discussion right now, guys, I mean, we are, everything had to be in place for this discussion to happen. The scheduling had to happen. Lots had to happen. Let's really figure out what was the reason why this conversation needed to take place because it's not random. Nothing in the world is random. And so, you know, and, and I take that one step further in the Cosmic Coffee House and I say, not only are things not random, I believe we're contracted on some soulful level to be in one, another, on one another's lives, even if it's in the smallest interaction. There's a potential for there to have been some purpose served, even in the smallest of interactions. I don't know what I might say to someone today in passing that really in that moment may have meant a lot to them. Um, just at the grocery store as the person's ringing me up and, and I say, you know, I, I hope your day goes by quickly. I can tell you're, you're really hectic here. You don't know what that moment might have done to the other person, right? So be purposeful as you go through your day and think about the interactions. And then the people who are closest to you really figure that out because now you're contracted with them in a really thick sort of contract where, you know, we're meant to, the more, more significant relationships in our lives, we're really meant to learn something from one another. So the Cosmic Coffee House was my way of kind of making that a fun idea and saying, you know how people gather at your lo- local coffee house uh, and let's say kids are getting together to study, college kids are getting together to study, they bring their books in, they get their coffee, they're kind of pumped up, ready to go, they're sitting at a table together, um, you know, they're about to do something as mundane as study, but they're, they're pretty excited, more so than they would be if they were sitting at home by themselves. Um, and the same sort of way I imagine that our souls, before we came down here, our souls sort of gathered in this coffee house and they were pretty excited and pumped up and they were going to try to figure out, you know, what are we going to be in each other's lives when we go down there uh, and figure out about life? You know, what do we want to learn and how are we going to learn this? And Hey, how about you and I interact in this way and we could maybe learn this. 
I, I just feel like there was such an excitement in that room, that Cosmic Coffee House room. And, um, and in the midst of that big coffee house and all the excitement and all the, the love and good vibes that was there, at some point, one of the souls kind of stands up and says, but you know what, guys, there, there are some things that can only be learned in really difficult times. And I tell you what, I'm going to take this one. In other words, that soul contracted that when we're down here on earth, if you will, um, that there's going to be some tough stuff. And, and you know what? I'll, I'm going to take this one. And, and, and the rest of the souls in that cafe kind of looked around and were like, come on, no, we don't even do that. Don't worry about that. We don't even do that. And then there's this really sort of realization that, no, it's true. There are certain things that only come through difficult times. And so they decide that if that's going to be the case, well, then, you know what? Let's hope that when we get down there that we really make the most of that sacrifice, that we really get what we need to get out of that. Because if it's going to happen, then the whole point of it happening is for all of us in some way to become evolved and better as a result. And so I know that that might sound kind of, I don't know, animated to some people, but it was my way of trying to make sense of why some bad things seem to happen in this world and what am I supposed to do with it? Um, and and I, I say in the book that that happened, I came up with that notion in my head after there had been this shooting in a church and, and nine people died. And, and I, would, I sat there and I thought, how does that happen? How does it happen that in a church and in a place that's associated with a higher power and a spiritual being, how would you let that happen? How does that happen? And, and in those days following that event, in that state where it happened, suddenly there was all this talk and discussion about race and history and all this other stuff that hadn't happened for all these years. And the next thing you know, there was legislation that had changed because of all of that. And there, and there was a flag that changed because of that. And there was all this that happened. And while those big things were happening in that state away from me, I was sitting here at home thinking about those nine people that died and it made me live life differently. So their sacrifice even affected me way over here in another state. So not only did it cause things to happen right in their immediate circle, obviously the lives of their own family members were dramatically affected, but it changed a state, it changed a country, it changed me individually and I didn't even know them. And so in my head I thought, okay, I did honor their sacrifice. So the Cosmic Coffee House is a way of saying, don't let these opportunities go by without taking away from it what you need and without honoring the people that caused that change to happen in your life. Um, everything is purposeful. Um, otherwise, life just happens. And, and I just don't want to believe that. Life doesn't just happen. Find out why it happened. See what you can make of it. Uh, and even if it wasn't what you wanted in your life, it can be something that you walk away from having learned something pretty big. Wow. You know, go, go ahead, Nick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's okay if I go, um, that, that concept uh, just blew my mind. I, I love that you said, spoke on that and I love that that's part of the book. And I was telling you before we started, I'm on chapter two and I've got some nuggets waiting. <laughs> so I can't wait to dive more into that one. And, you know, it just gives me, gave, gives me shivers hearing you speak on that because so many of us are wrapped up in our story and the world works in a certain way and we're being punished and it's our sort of distorted way. We look at karma and, and trying to make sense of the world. But you know, this, this 
intention behind all of our daily activities, the people we run into, the people we pass by, the people we give a, a kind glance or, or, you know, looking at life as purposeful and intentional as the way you described. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's such a beautiful way to paint paint the world and and it's it's a great way for people when stuck and and feeling like the world is crashing in and around them to give them a different way to look at resiliency and see that we contracted into the experience that we're in just like this conversation we're having right now and um, I love the beauty in in which in the simplicity which with which you spoke on this and and I can't help but think like okay I'm 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 thinking of some of the people that's they're on your couch and they're (laughs) and they're going Dr. Bhargava, I don't believe in souls and higher power and, and, you know, I'm a meat suit having my meat suit experience. You know, how, how do you communicate what you just shared so beautifully to us, to someone stuck in a, a wrapped in a story that this is all there is and they got dealt a bad hand and, and how do you speak to that pain for someone? Yeah. And, 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 you know, what I do, I appreciate you saying that. What I do say in the book is, you know, I, I, there's, there's a hundred ways to think through what's happened in your life. And there's a hundred ways to, to perhaps try to find meaning in it. Um, I, I do think for those of us who believe that there is something bigger than just this day-to-day existence, um, you know, that there is, there is a concept that kind of allows us to step outside of ourselves a little bit, but that's okay. I, I, I think that there are ways to do it, even if that's not the case. So, so one of the other things I talk about in the book that, that I think addresses what you're talking about is, so you mentioned that we all have our own stories, right, Nick? I mean, you said that, you know, we tell us ourselves these stories and, and oftentimes it's based on our experiences and what we've done or maybe what was done to us. Um, and, and then we, we continue that story and, and think we've actually proved it to be truthful. Well, if you and I in the midst of this discussion, if three of us were having this great discussion and suddenly one of your kids or another random kid barged into the room and said, hey, guys, come with me. I've got life figured out. Well, we would, we would drop what we were doing and we would go for another reason, just out of curiosity, just to kind of get a chuckle and see what the six-year-old might have figured out that he thinks he's figured out life. But we wouldn't hand him the keys to our life. We wouldn't say to that six-year-old, okay, well, if you've got it figured out, I tell you what, you're in charge. We wouldn't do that. But, but that's what we do. We, we have things that we go through in our lives. And when we're younger and then other things happen in our lives and that six-year-old's kind of conclusion that perhaps I'm not good enough, if that was, that was mine, perhaps I'm not good enough. And then the next thing happens, and let's say I get bullied in school. Well, oh my gosh, see there, I'm really not good enough. And the next thing happens, and the next thing happens. And then big things happen. Um, maybe your parents get a divorce, and gosh, see, now I'm really not good enough. Or, you know, things like that. Or, or I talk about big thing that happened to me in my own life. But these things happen. And the next thing you know, you've lived a whole life based on a six-year-old's view of the world. And and look, it's not the fault of the six-year-old. The six-year-old was doing the best he could. He was doing the best he could with what he had and trying to make sense of the whole world. So we're not going to fault the six-year-old, but come on, at 30, at 40, at 50, at 60, at some point you get to say, hey, wait a second, maybe there's more to this. Maybe there's another way of looking at this especially if it's not working for me. Maybe there's another way of looking at this. Let me just think about that a little bit. And, and I tell you what, at some point, maybe even take over for the kid and say, look, it wasn't your fault, but I've got this now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to figure this out. 
So even if you don't believe, you know, in the cosmic coffee house and all of those wonderful soulful uh, ideas of, of, of cosmic issues, um, if, if you do feel stuck in the story you're telling yourself, it might be worth asking yourself, what else could this be? Maybe it isn't just what you assumed it is. Um, and then that's the place to start. And that's how you do it. When I would, you know, I can't help but think when you're telling this, so like that's what a midlife crisis is for some people mm-hmm. is, you know, they hit that point of like, I don't know who I am. And they've never asked themselves those questions. And they've never even looked at that six-year-old, like you're saying, and said, like, what story have I been telling myself this whole time? And does that even make sense now? Right. And, and so what's, what is a crisis for, for us in that moment actually is an opportunity, right? The fact that you're now saying, now what? That's a great opportunity, even though it sounds horrible. And even though when you're going through it, it's no fun. At some point, it, it's your opportunity to say, hey, wait a second, what is going on? How can I rethink this a little bit? So I think the crisis is perhaps for many of us, especially for many of us men, uh, for men in particular, it's the opportunity to really say, maybe I didn't quite figure this out the way I thought I did. So use yeah. the crisis. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. As we were speaking, you were talking about the six-year-old boy and, and uh, <laughs> you guys, you, when you're listening, you can't see the... Dr. David's got his little son, Diego, just all over him. I mean, the timing on this was just perfect. <laughs> I, I did say a kid would barge in the room and say, Oh, oh man, it was like, right on you. There he is. Divine intervention. There you go. I mean, it was too funny. Um, I, you know, the awakening to the reality that there is a, a bigger process at play probably one of the, those foundational turning points for people when they're again stuck in that story and and I, and I can't help but think like of just the gravity of the realization that we're running on six-year-old programs like you know, the consciousness of, of a six-year-old and and we've made it through life 30 40 years on that I mean it's pretty remarkable that, that we've gone through that and at some point along this journey I think, and as you're speaking to this, people must realize that I have actually never really done any conscious growing in this area. So now I do see that I'm responding the, the same way I would have as if I was a child. So there's definitely a gut check right. moment, I imagine, for the people you're working with. Right. And, and, and here's another proof of that. You know, if you have a sibling who also went through, um, you know, an, an experience and you listen to them talk about the experience, like, wait a second, what? That that's not how it went. It was like this, right? Um, well, the reason for that is, look, that sibling viewed it from their perspective and was collecting evidence for their story. And you viewed it from your perspective and you collected evidence from your story. Now, was it right or wrong? It doesn't matter. Was it accurate? Or not? It doesn't matter. The fact that it fed your story is what matters. And if your story is working for you, great. Keep going with the story then. But if the story is not working for you, then realize if he or she saw it a different way, it, there's at least another way to look at it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe you need to go back and say, well, maybe it wasn't totally that I was not good enough. Maybe in some of those instances, I just thought I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And that's what a moment of insight is. A moment of insight is just a pause in the way you've always seen or felt something. And you realize, wait a second, that's a moment of insight. That's why the book is called A Moment of Insight. You can't have change happen in your life until you have that pause, until you have that little shift and and the shift can come from simply saying maybe there's more to the story Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, and just something of even relationship, you know, my, our, our own challenges and navigating uh, your, our spouse and, and hearing one another and what's really going on in, in a dialogue and discussion. And often it's the same kind of thing. It's like at the end of the day, we both want love. We both want connection, but we've just been misinterpreted and, and stuck in a pattern that uh, we're both seeing completely different. It's funny. Sonia and I sometimes laugh and we go, how did we get here? Like, how did we, how did, you know, how did we show up at this moment where we're now we're kind of chuckling that the fact that we were both wanting the same thing, but coming at it from completely different angles and not feeling heard because um, our, our needs weren't being met, our, our, our little, the little version of ourselves uh, needs weren't being met in the, in the dialogue. So it's a powerful yes. conversation on so many levels. I mean, again, I'm jumping up and down. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? I mean, there, there is, what, what did we not even understand about our, our own stories from before we were even together that affect what kind of spouses we are now to, or partners we are now to one another? That's the part that, you know, it's, it's worth figuring that out. I, I say in the very, very beginning that in my acknowledgements in, in the beginning of the book, uh, among the people I acknowledge, I acknowledge my wife who, as you get through the book, Nick, and, and David has seen this in the book, she plays actually a big role in, in the book at one point. Um, but what I say to her through the book is that I came into this marriage feeling indebted. And she's the one who gave me the space to step forward and, and to really walk together. Well, she had no idea that I came into it indebted. She would, I think she was surprised to read my acknowledgement. I scored some points, I will say that. But I think she was surprised to, to even read that at first. But I was indebted. She didn't know the story in my head when I came into. I looked like I had certain things figured out in life. And I looked like I was on a path towards having this really great life. And look, I do. I do. I'm grateful for it. I'm blessed. But she had no idea about the story I'd been telling myself. And so I, if I'm walking in with that story repeating over and over again in my head, even though we're sharing the same day-to-day -day life, we're not walking away with the same takeaway. So it's worth knowing what your story is. It's worth challenging your story. And hey, it might even be worth sharing your story with the closest person in your life to make sure that you are as much on the same page as you can be. And then see what happens to that relationship. Now you really have a level of intimacy that you never had before. And the stories we tell ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. There's a chapter in the book that, that uh, is entitled One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish. Mm -hmm. And well, any of us who grew up with Dr. Seuss, immediately you then say bluefish, right? It's the story that you've, you've read and heard so many times. You know it so well. And my kids would have us read that over and over and over again. So I, I kind of felt like I didn't even need to look at the book. I could just start saying, you know, Dr. Seuss and knew it by heart. Well, that's the way we are in our lives. We tell ourselves these stories so much that we don't even know we're telling anymore. And yet we're basing our lives on that same story. And again, if it's working for you, great. But if it's not working for you, isn't it time to maybe challenge that story? Even if it's just part of the story, maybe it's time to challenge that story. And if you're having a second right now where you're like, yeah, you know what? It's not all working for me. That's your moment of insight. You just had one. Uh, and that's why that's so important. Yeah, I, I love the freedom in how you're describing this because this isn't about needing to change. This isn't about, um, I mean, I, I'm a big believer in like constant improvement, continual improvement, but maybe there are some things that are serving and the lesson isn't ready for you to, to discover it. And it's not until you, like you said, you have those moments of insight of, you know, enough messages 
come at you from different directions and you start to realize uh, this is something I need to pay attention to. And it's a very inviting and nurturing and loving way to approach our growth instead of like pounding it in and I got to get through this. I got to, I got to excel. I got to be better because you know, when we say it like that too, that's also a, a mindset or, or a reframe or maybe something coming from childhood that, that we've constantly had to strive for and nothing is ever uh, enough. So that's uh, right. Thank you, thank you for right. bringing that. Yeah. And, and that's exactly where it comes from, Nick. I mean, I can tell you that now if I speak with encouragement to you and to our listeners, um, it's, it's not because it was my pattern growing up. The voice in my head, I was my own worst critic, exclamation point. I was my own worst critic. Uh, and so the tone in my head was was um, frivolous and, and, and the discussion in my head was critical and, and, and I was always on edge. And it was only in the, on the other side of this process that I have been able to be my own best supporter. So if I was my own worst critic before, now I am also my own best supporter, which allows me to then be a supporter to others. So you'll see, it'll, it'll not only change your internal dialogue, it really will change your external dialogues as well. And it'll, it'll make you a better parent as a result or a better partner as a result, because you will have found a way that works better for you that you're now going to put out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Hey, I'm curious, uh, in practice, what are some of your favorite tools, like let's say like meditation, yoga, or do you, do you have like a, a, a breathing practice, um, uh, John Kabat-Zinn of like just mindfulness or like what, what are some of your uh, uh, typical recommendations that you get people to uh, to tap into to start to feel some of that uh, space within themselves. Yeah, I'm going through my card catalog file in my head of all the different tools that I, I suggest and that I and that I use, uh, and there's and m most of them are in the book, honestly. But um, I'll give you one, and and, and you and you mentioned mindfulness, um, and one of the thought leaders in mindfulness. Um, one of the ways that I suggest to people to practice mindfulness is pick something that you're already doing, something you have to do in your day already. So I'm not putting an extra burden on you. Just pick something you already have to do. But in that space of time when you're going to do it, whether that's your drive home or it's while you're doing the dishes or the one I always, example I always give is when you have to take a shower or when you're going to take a shower. If it's something you're already gonna do, tell yourself before you get in the shower that you're gonna allow yourself to completely just be in the shower. There's nothing for the next five minutes you need to give attention to. And look, if there is, don't turn the, turn the water off, go take care of it, and then come back. But there's nothing that's going to require your attention in the next few minutes. While you're in the shower, you're just going to be in the shower. You're not going to think about what you have to do when you get out. You're not going to think about you know, all the things you messed up yesterday. You're just going to be in the shower. So when you're in the shower, feel the water against the back of your head. Um, when you're shampooing, really kind of feel that lather, uh, watch a drop go down the glass, whatever needs to happen to keep you right there, but practice it. It's not easy. That's a really hard thing to do, but start somewhere and see what, what you get out of it. That practice came to me years ago. Um, I used to make my children's lunches when they were little for their schools. And because of a time in our life where my wife had to suddenly go back to India and, and I was here with the kids and I knew they were having a hard time without their mom around, I would write these little notes to them and, and would put them in their lunches. And, and I realized my daughter was saving them all. And so that put, that 
number one, it filled me with gratitude. Number two, put some pressure on me, right? I need to think of something I can write on this note that, she, that she'll get something out of. But what it did was in the shower, as I was getting ready every morning, I'd start thinking about what do I want to say to my daughter today? What do I want to say or what do I want to write or what do I want to draw on that little sticky note so that I can have her when she opens it up really kind of have this moment. And I found that instead of thinking about all I had to do when I got to work and other things, I was now sitting there thinking about inspiration. And that's where that shower practice came from. So I now use that as my space to be able to have 10 minutes of, I'm not going to think about anything else except just being in the shower. And that's mindfulness. So I, I think that's what anyone can do. What a beautiful story hmm. and such a great use of time. You know, I call that grease in the groove. I always tell my patients mm -hmm. or clients to figure out something they're already doing. And, you know, one of my, fa I, I love, uh, I love watching movies and just reading about the samurai, the Japanese culture of how they took very, it took a lot of honor and care and every little thing they do all day long, everything was in excellence. And I think that helps bring that mindfulness down to that level. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, we're so overloaded now in this time and age, uh, like constantly from the time we get up to the time we go to bed that, you know, so many people need to understand the importance of slowing their brain down to that level. Just for a few moments, just for a few moments. Right. I mean, at least show your brain what it's like to have that. And Monday through Friday, my, my wife, I'm so grateful for her for what I'm about to say. She brings me a cup of coffee every morning while I'm getting ready in the morning. Well, look, I enjoy that cup of coffee. I really, really do. And I especially am grateful that she did it for me. But the cup of coffee I have on a Saturday when I don't have to be at work right away, that's a very different kind of cup of coffee. Because now I'm sitting there and I'm still having the same cup, same coffee, but I'm really, really in the moment of enjoying it. Whereas Monday through Friday, I might be also trying to you know, get ready and do this and do that. But just a couple of minutes of being present will make a real difference for how you go through your day. Uh, and it can change. I mean, you know, I think the shower exercise is something that's going to hopefully be every single day of your week. Uh, but it can be something like the cup of coffee on a Saturday. It's not the same as, as a cup of coffee on a Monday, but that's okay. Saturday's pretty awesome. That power hour in the morning, right? That, that's that, right. that hour of prep before we start our day. So important. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, even in, in terms of the hour of the morning getting ready, um, when, when I talk about in the book being self-critical and, you know, uh, having a bad hair day to me was not just having a bad hair day. It was, gosh, everyone's going to see through me and they're going to realize I'm no good and all that. Well, on the other side of all of that, now, it, now getting ready is just kind of me time. So it's not even about getting it all right and perfect for everyone else. It's just my time. And, and look, we all need some me time. And, and I say that to people and like, great, now I got to schedule me time. You don't have to schedule me time. It could be what you're already doing, but just reserve it. In that space, don't bring in other thoughts. Reserve it. That's really what mindfulness is about. Yeah, because we, we get stuck in the reality if, if we see that we're not making time for ourselves. We just, we, we just start to get into agreement that we just we'll never have time for ourselves. And so, uh, you know, just bringing that power presence to the, the simple things in life and, and realizing the gifts within that, um, that, that's, that's the best place to start. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. And maybe you just do it with a song, whatever your favorite song is right now. Maybe you just put that on your, your streaming service. And for that four minutes, 
Maybe you're just going to sit there and really listen to each and every word of that song. You're not going to listen to the song while you're also doing something else. Why? No, just, just sit for four minutes. I'm not asking you to give me a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Sit and listen to the song and really listen to the words. By the way, when you really do that, you'll have a moment of insight. There's something about the words of a favorite song that resonate with you for a reason. Hmm. So when you really sit and listen to the words, something about that is going to stick out to you and you're going to see something differently, I promise you. Well, you know, and the power in that is that you create this new anchor point for yourself. You know, I find that, you know, with my daily practice and, and the meditation that I do and and when I create sacred space, that, that becomes my constant. And, you know, and like you said, it can start with a song and it can start with, you know, the shower thing. And all of that allows you the little memories, the little moments of, of who you really are. And, and it sort of brings this conversation back to where we started. And I, and I love that. And it's, it's such a perfect way to, I think, uh, do a couple things, which we usually do at the end of the podcast. And that's, uh, how can people find out more about you? I mean, you got the book moment of insight. Um, tell us all the, all the different ways that people can access your information. Here's your book on Amazon and, and all that stuff. Uh, so okay. that we have a contact. I appreciate that. No, thank you for that. I do. I would love for people to uh, give it a read. It is, I promise you, it's not a, it's not a heavy book, even though we did deal with some big things. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not someone who reads big books. I'm not someone who reads heavy books. I'm not going to write one. Um, but it is available on Amazon. So it's on uh, paperback, hardback, Kindle on Amazon. Also on Amazon, though, it's on Audible. Um, it was not even in my brain to think about doing an Audible version of my book. And then one day I read a piece of it out loud to my wife. And we both had this moment. We looked at each other and said, you know what? This needs to be on, on Audible and I need to be the one to read my book. So, so it is my own voice and I do read my own story. And there's something powerful about reading your own story out loud. So again, so you're, you're telling us you had a moment of insight. I did. <laughs> I did. I had a moment of insight about a moment of insight. That's, oh, that's amazing. So cool. Yeah. So it is on Audible as well. A moment of insight uh, there. And then in terms of reaching out to me, I, I, value and, and can't wait for people to especially if you've read the book to reach out and let me know what you took away from it and share your wisdom with me and, and the community as well so on facebook uh, it is a moment of insight uh, and you can join us on there or on instagram it is dr b moment um, so dr b is in bargave or b as in boy dr b moment um, that's where you can reach out to me there um, and i'm hoping soon to uh, start a youtube channel as well just again i just want as much interaction and conversation as I can get. So you guys have been given me that today and I want to keep that going too. So please do reach out to me. So Facebook, a moment of insight, Dr. B moment on Instagram and Amazon and audible for the book, a moment of insight. I love it. Dr. B moment. Yep. Let's all have one. Hey, <laughs> so grateful and thankful for, for joining us today. This was amazing. Uh, I learned so much and uh, we, we can't thank you enough, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I, hey, I look forward to having more discussions down the road. I, I think uh, the work you guys are doing is so important. I've listened to your podcast and I'll tell you, not only from the standpoint of someone who wants to get the messages of emotional well-being and physical well-being out there, but quite honestly, as a man to, to two other guys, let me just say, um, this is what we need. We mm -hmm. need space to be able to talk about what makes each one of us tick. It doesn't matter what gender you are, but having two guys uh, create that space, pretty awesome guys. Really, really great. Thank you, man. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, it means a lot coming from you and, and 
I mean, the, you're, the way that you deliver the messages, I, I just have to say this again. I mean, it comes across in such a reachable, teachable kind of format. And um, I mean, this is a book that I feel it can go in every family's home. It's just, you know, you, I, could, I could see myself when my kids get a little bit older that we can sort of work through some of these processes, you know, work for the, through the, the five gifts, you know, get into the Cosmic Cafe discussion. I, I mean, I look forward to having these discussions with my family and, and uh, so yeah, you've delivered so much more. And, 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 and when you brought up that, that discussion, the Cosmic Cafe, you betcha. We're, we're all here meeting one another online for a reason in, in this time that, that we need mentorship and guidance and a strong uh, male voice and presence with the power of vulnerability. It's, uh, it's so timely. And so we're, we're grateful for your assistant <laughs> for reaching out to us and <laughs> coordinating a time that works because this has been a, a definite uh, many moments of insight for for myself great i so appreciate that i look forward to many more moments too yeah thank you guys awesome. so very, very much okay guys that's another podcast from uh, the dr dads thank you everybody for tuning in make sure to check out a moment of insight the book and check out all the social media handles uh this guy's a real deal, and uh, he's not just a shrink, uh, though he plays one sometimes during the day. Uh, there's lots to learn here, and uh, it's, it's a beautiful message, and uh, you guys got as much out of this as we did. So have a good one. Dr. Wardy. Love you, man. Love Thanks you again, Doc. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to The Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.